This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Guys, Ryan Sprague here from somewhere in the skies, and welcome to a very special live stream tonight. If you've been paying attention on our social media, you know what's coming at you tonight, especially with that intro. We are going to be reviewing John Carpenter's The Thing from 1982, a movie that I admittedly have never seen. And both of our guests tonight, two of my closest friends and colleagues, uh, couldn't believe that. And a lot of you couldn't believe it either. But I finally watched the thing. What did I think of it? What did they think of it? We're going to get into all of it tonight. So without further ado, I only have them for a limited amount of time. So we are going to get through this thing. And uh, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So thank you for joining us, guys. Without further ado, let's bring them in. We have Nicholas Westermeyer. We have Andrew Sanford. Welcome back, gentlemen. Hi. Hey. Hello. Welcome, welcome. Thank I can't you. believe I have you both in the same digital room. This is the first time we've done this since I think uh God, the found footage one last yeah, Halloween. Three, the three, yeah, the probably. Three, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That was a while ago. So I know Nick and I did Halloween recently, which was it was okay. Movies very uh uh controversial, I guess, for many horror fans. But uh this one's gonna be a lot of fun. Alien mm-hmm. themed. So I know a lot of our audience is going to dig that, but mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. let's get into it, guys. Um, what is your history before we even get to it with this movie? Have you seen it? Um, when was the first time you saw it? Uh, Nick, let's start with you. Uh, so I actually was kind of like you. I didn't watch this movie until Halloween. So because I miss both of you guys and especially Andrew at Halloween time, uh, I started just watching horror movies because I was at home working. Um, so I was like, oh, I haven't seen the thing. And my brother's like, 47 years old so obviously this is like this is peak him right like this is one of his his favorites so i was like i gotta watch this movie so i first time i had seen it um i loved it i have a lot of thoughts about it but i thought it was just brilliantly executed except for one thing which i'll bring up later Ooh, Ooh. we'll get there one story Andrew, how one about story you buddy thing. okay okay what's your history with this movie i uh did not really go on dates or hang out much uh in high school I spent a lot of my time 
going to the Best Buy in my local mall on Friday nights, buying a couple movies and heading home. And I particularly particularly remember purchasing this one. It was a special edition DVD that was like a, like when they actually used to care about like what the box was like. Um, and I remember watching it and being absolutely blown away by what I ended up saying. I apologize if you hear my children in the background, but they're great. So I don't super apologize. Fantastic. They're awesome. Uh, I mean, um, so yeah, so I saw it relatively young and it's been a, 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 a real favorite of oh, mine no, ever since. Sorry, no spoilers in the chat. J. Allen Heineken says no spoilers. J. Allen Heineken, this might not be the time to watch this, man, because we are going heavy into yeah, spoilers into tonight. Mm-hmm. That's what these movie reviews are for. I apologize, buddy. But go watch the movie. Come back mm-hmm. and watch this. It'll be here forever now. It's now on the internet. In perpetuity. Um, <laughs> yes, exactly. Cool. All right. Well, that's cool. Um, I, will, I just saw this for the first time a couple days ago, and then I watched it again awesome. today. So it's Wonderful. fresh in my mind. I'm ready to talk about it. Um, let me get. I'm such a professional. I have a slideshow. You've come so far, Ryan. So far in these things, Don't you love it. I go. <laughs> I, I go out. I go all out for these movie reviews. I should probably be doing this more for the actual Summer in the Sky show. Um, <laughs> so, but no, I love doing this. You guys this know. My birthday um, present. Exactly. This and this is this is like the other side of me that a lot of the people who follow my work don't really know about. I'm a screenwriter. I'm a playwright. Um, I'm a huge sci-fi nerd too. And I love movies. So I, I really do like going all out for these um, as you guys know. So why don't we just go through the, um, the quick, you know, uh, really quick kind of, um, I guess, history of this. This is from 1982, John Carpenter, uh, directed by John Carpenter, written by Bill Lancaster, music by Ennio Morricone, uh, who was mostly known for Westerns. Uh, so we'll talk a little about that. Um, the effects were by Rob Botin. I think we're going to be talking a lot about him tonight, uh, who worked with Carpenter on The Fog and is known nice. for the effects in The Howling as well. Um, mm-hmm. 23 years of age at the time when he made wow. the effects for this movie. Wow. Doesn't that make you yeah. feel like, Oof. what the hell was I, I doing? Like that's, wild. That's, 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 yeah. Um, th- that being said, he was a little in over his head with this movie, and they had to call in someone to come help him uh, with the effects on some of the scenes in this. And who was that? None other than um, Stan Winston came in to uh, kind of save the day on a lot of these effects too. So uh, yeah, yeah. A lot of people worked on this movie, which is really, really cool. Mm. Um, Let's get to the cast starring Kurt Russell, a Wilford Brimley, the diabetes guy. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) TK Carter, David Klenning, Keith David, who, um, Mm -hmm. who I love, love, love. I didn't know this. Andrew, you might know this. Keith David narrated the entire Monday Night Wars series. Oh, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. He... Or WWF. Mm-hmm. WWE, the, he did a few me. of them, too. I think there's a couple DVDs I think he did narrations for them for, because his you, you just need that voice. Stellar. Yeah, it's incredible. I, I When I was watching Monday Night Wars, I recently rewatched it. I'm like, that voice sounds so damn familiar. And then when I looked it up, I'm like, yep, there it is. Yep. There I it played, is. He, he voiced... Um, Oh, because again, children. Uh, Frog, Thanks. the the Princess and the Frog. He was the main villain in that too, wasn't he? The oh, was he? 
I think so. And also, I think oh, Mass Effect, which I'm playing right now, replaying. I think he's also one of the voices in that. Okay. In which, okay. One, in which one? Uh, Mass Effect. The cat. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like stellar. Uh, I um. He's also oh, gargoyles. Oh, oh my god, yes. Uh, I tried David to get yeah. like I don't use the term legend lightly, but he's a legend and he's also um this is his first of at least two Carpenter collaborations. What's his yes. other one? Um They Live. Yep. I've not seen with that, 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 that iconic fight scene with mm-hmm. um yeah, yeah, yeah. Roddy Piper. Another I knew we would South get Park. enough wrestling references into this episode. <laughs> um well and what's really cool too is this entire cast, except Kurt Russell, I didn't know this, uh, were all stage actors prior to this. Oh, interesting. Which yeah, you buddies. you kind of get that, you know, really? from the feel Richard of this Mason? movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's go through a quick plot synopsis before we dive into the actual movie, guys. In remote Antarctica, a group of American research scientists are disturbed at their base camp by a helicopter shooting at a sled dog. When they take in the dog, it brutally attacks both human beings and canines in the camp, and they discover the beast can assume the shape of its victims. A resourceful helicopter pilot, played by Kurt Russell, and the camp doctor, Richard Dysart, lead the camp crew in a desperate, gory battle against the vicious creature before it picks them all off one by one. That's the official plot synopsis on IMDb. Um, I think that covers it pretty well. Um, Let's see. History of this. Uh, let's just get to that. Well, just yeah, to show that yeah. I did my research. Amazing. You know, we've got this is a remake of 1951's The Thing from Another World, which Carpenter was a huge fan of. Um, it's based on a 1938 novel, Who Goes There? Oh, um, yeah, which actually Carpenter stayed more faithful to that than the actual first original movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Toby Hooper was originally at the helm of the project, but ended up leaving, and that's when Carpenter was brought on board. Um, what else? The entire cast, like I mentioned, were stage actors. And last but not least, and we'll get to the end of the movie, obviously, but Universal Studios wanted a happy ending when they filmed it, but Carpenter refused to put that in. We'll get to that actual ending um in this review. Uh let's do it, guys. Um, hello to everyone in the chat. I need to just get through this, so I'll try to put your chat up um guys if you really want me to see him put him in the super chat help out the show and we'll be sure to shout you out here super in chat, this review super chat, super, super, the super did i say super no super. i said super because i can't talk that's that that's oh, that that's theater fair. training right there <laughs> speaking of which i'm drinking a winter warmer beer from bedfordshire uh, i thought it was appropriate for tonight okay. um, i'm drinking from... a blade and blow Bl- damn blade and wow, blow yeah. Because, you know, whiskey in this movie is heavily <laughs> relied upon. J and B, yep. Uh, what do you got? Uh, a pomegranate cherry, uh, Canada Dry. Yeah. Oh, my Real gosh. Yeah, yeah, Going yeah. all out, buddy. He's the responsible Going parent in this group. Out. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. It doesn't matter. Oh, <laughs> um, I've got some of the behind the scenes images here, too. If you're mm-hmm. watching this on YouTube, this will be an audio format, too. So um, in that case, we're doing That's a awesome. lot of visuals tonight, guys. So cool. if you're sweater. audio, go watch this YouTube version right now. The sweater. I know. Where, Carpenter in the bottom left. Like, what a looker, man. Where was this <laughs> filmed? Where, where did they film this? Like the actual show? Um, they filmed a portion of this in Alaska, okay. uh, 
And I've got a clip actually that I might play um, of how miserable it was filming. Oh, so no. they actually looks, did go to Alaska. Brilliant, dude! Amazing. Brilliant. Um, and then they also shot on a soundstage in L.A. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see that lower image there of Kurt Russell, where he looks mm-hmm. like really sickly and frozen. Right? Mm-hmm. They the soundstage they actually put the temperature down to like I think negative ten or something oh, to. Cool keep them in character and make it like actual freezing in the sun. Right, right, right. Um, so again, That's they brutal, went all, man. all out for this thing. It's uh, one of those things where those kind of, st- <laughs> those kind of stories, I feel like got romanticized for so long. And like, look, I think the results are like undeniable of how, like how great this movie is. But man, the idea of somebody being like, look, don't tell the actors or maybe do tell the actors or whatever you did, but just crank it down, crank the yeah. temperature down, take it, take it, <laughs> crank it right down. Make sure I want them to know they're cold. They're, but, but John, they're actors. They're going to act. Cold. No, 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 no. Cool I on. want them yeah. freezing. <laughs> Andrew, I did. I shot a horror movie where I did a scene. It was in Ohio. And if any of you are from the Midwest, you know that Ohio in like February is just fucking brutal. brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did that. I had to be shirtless in a unheated warehouse. And I can tell you, that's not. At least they had coats, because like, holy shit, it's it's not good. No. Like Man. all the pain is real. It's just real. Is have you been in a movie where you weren't shirtless? I just no. Why would you? Ever, why would I ever get cast in something I wasn't shirtless? In? <laughs> I swear to God, every movie this guy's in, they're like, "Um, can you take your shirt off?" Hired. Listen, you just gotta pay the bills, buddy. Yep, uh, I get uh, it. I get it, man. No, you're strong. It is what it is. <laughs> yeah. No, know your talent. My talent yeah. is. I'm the myth, baby. <laughs> and then we die. can all just do only aspire. I know. <laughs> I know. Nope. Um. Nips awesome. the hips that we ain't eating. Oh, there's the group. There's our group yeah. photo, guys. Our whole crew. Oh, um, they're so happy. Isn't that? They look so, so happy. So before happy. This starts. Um, let's, let's talk about the opening scene. Uh, first of all, um, the actual opening scene, which I'm going to be honest, I didn't really <laughs> dig. We're in space in a UFO is flying to Earth. Um, oh my God! And I know you hate you flying. hate those things. Yeah, UFOs. Are I, <laughs> it just it completely. I don't know. It wasn't what I was expecting this movie to open up to. I just wanted like a shot of like desolate Antarctica. That's how I wanted this movie to start. Um, I have a feeling that opening UFO coming to Earth was definitely like um, not a John Carpenter choice. I could be completely wrong. Um, but I feel like they're like, we need to establish aliens are coming to Earth. So let's literally show the UFO coming coming to the planet. Which I don't is, know. Am I wrong on that? Do because you see the UFO later. So it's like, I mean, it's there and it is. But like, it's not necessarily, I think, a shot that's needed in, in terms of establishing story. Uh, the, only, the only reason I would say yes, keep it is because, yes, we do see that ship later. But that's a, it's a while. Like it's yeah. a while before we get that information. And I do think it kind of at least gives you from, because I, and I think we see this a lot in other um, um, story. Cause a lot of the TV shows, movies and things like that have ripped off this story ad nauseum at this point. Um, oh yeah. We'll get to I that. mean, technically this is a, a, you could call it a ripoff or knockoff or whatever. Um, but the idea of finding something under the ice, I don't mind them almost immediately clarifying like, Hey, this thing isn't from here. 
because I mm-hmm. do think you could easily have that other almost even like confusion of like, well, has this thing been here for a while? Whatever's attacking them. Has it been here a while? Is this like something that they unearthed that's been hiding or something that's new? What I would, I, I will say like, I, I could understand there being some confusion in the fact that we don't find out until later that that spaceship was landing millions of years ago i think they say like it's pretty yeah, yeah it's pretty ten thousand or yeah. ten thousand like they it, it's you know it is established that whatever it was has definitely been here for a while but it's not from here and i do also think that that opening could be looked at more as like a nod to the original film that carpenter loves so much so like you Good know what point. i mean kind of and got that b sci-fi movie feel yeah and it also is just like it's like look he does something vastly different both in tone um and a a well not vastly different in story but tonally especially um and the way that they portray the monster so i think it's almost like him going like hey you know I still love that other. I love that other thing. I it's love like, the other. Like movie. you said, paying homage. Yeah. To the that it comes yeah, from. yeah, 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 yeah. Good point. Like, Very and, good. And, point. You know, as far as like an establishing image goes, um, the story is about an alien being out in the middle of nowhere. So they show us an alien out in the middle of nowhere. Out um, in the middle of nowhere. Good it's point. So funny I, that's fair. I agree with all that. It's just I'm so basic. Like, and again, no, I to, that's you, not. No, no, I, no I, right I, or I wrong way to watch the movie. I'm going to own my basicness in this. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying I'm basic. Um, then I'm like, because I know these movies age. And so the practical effects in this, which I'm sure we'll talk about, are so fucking good. Like, they're, they're good. so good. And they have, yeah. Yeah. I, this movie made me, again, appreciate practical stuff, um, as I always do. Like, but that was like the one scene where I'm like, oh, that didn't age well. No. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, I know, but again, I know that like, that's just a product of, which is why I said it's basic. It's a product of just what it is. Sure. Um, but in totality of all the effects, in this movie, it's always like that shows up. I'm like, oh, because the practical of the sh- ship in the snow looks great. Like, I oh, know God. you, yeah, oh, the, sets, the sets, the sets on this are pretty good. Or, oh, they yeah. feel lived in and real, and yes, yeah. yeah. I mean, even the helicopter Absolutely. stuff, like, since we're kind of the beginning, like, I love it's funny how much you forget what that looks like as a, as a viewer in um, watching movies, like, to see an actual fucking helicopter, like. Them using yeah. using a real helicopter as opposed to something that is digitally altered or CGI mm-hmm. or CGI sure. not real, like you feel it. All that grittiness and realism built this world really quickly, and, and I forgot how much I missed that watching movies. Like how much I miss real shit in a movie. Um, well, yeah. to be fair, sir, Marvel does get all their military equipment real uh, <laughs> because they do not take any shots at the U.S. military whenever they portray them in their film. I did not never. Oh, look, you're seeing some real stuff because it's being loaned. Um, <laughs> well, I'm just, you know, uh, you guys finish this review. I will just, I'll peace out. <laughs> Bye. Hey. No, no, but you're not I, going I, I, I don't, I, I think, um, to your point, like I'm just being a jerk. Um, no, it, it, I, I think you're 100 percent right, and there's there's it, it, and it's it's tough as well um, to play slightly devil's advocate because I've also been um, oh what was it I was watching Andre I don't disagree yeah nothing beats practical effects um, uh, but it does come to and this kind of gets into the idea uh, the conversation we were having about the temperature uh, messing with the temperature is that sometimes it's like we're growing to a certain point where it's just like if we this movie were to get made now the dogs would probably be cg um yeah. and i yeah. don't think that's a huge problem um mainly because and i think it comes down to 
what would you prefer that you see this a dog on screen when there's supposed to be a dog on screen? Um, but you know that that dog probably did not want to be there, has no idea where it is, got shoved into a truck when it was done and taken home yeah. to be taken to another set the next day. Or are you just happy that, like, oh, it's a CG, it doesn't look great, but uh, no no animals were forced yeah. labor at anybody. I wonder if it would be both, though. I'm one of those things where, like, I wonder if they'd go the Del Toro way, where it's, like, both, where you get... A real dog for those things that aren't aren't like super impressive, well, and then CGI because that always is what I love the most. But well, let's let's talk about. You're right, Andrew. Um, right. we we could talk about the dog for ten hours. Um, mm. probably the best actor in this. That movie, dog, that dog, fucking movie. killed it, man. That dog yeah, deserves an Oscar right they here. Do. And, and, and if you give it like joint, like him and Richard Mazur, who we're seeing in the picture yes. right now, the eventual uh, oh. president president of SAG. Uh, for a yeah. while, he was also in. Uh, he has a great turn as Stanley Uris in the It miniseries from the nineteen ninety. Yep, yep. That's who he is. Thank yeah, you, yeah, Andrew. Yeah. Yes, You're I welcome. know he you. has that face. Um, um, he's great. Well, he's a, he's like that's a journeyman's actor if there ever was one. But he had actually more than that. He he. But yeah, he's fantastic. But his chemistry with those dogs is so wonderful, and he's probably the most <laughs> like the most tragic character of the whole film. I know. Because I know you you you'd have every reason to believe that it's him that's been turned to do it at no 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 it's not he's it's literally not. like one of the not. only ones not we'll, yeah. we'll get there let's yeah, talk sorry. about this dog the movie opens this helicopter is coming in it's trying to shoot this dog very we poorly. don't know why really very poorly shots. he missed like ten shots I know yeah. it, to the point where he's like screw it I'm gonna throw grenades at this which also this poorly dog. yeah. <laughs> And we don't know why, which I love. I love this idea that, like, okay, um, why? What? Why is this happening? What's What's up with this dog? Um, so we come to find out, you know, the the helicopter that was chasing this dog eventually crashes. Um, pilot dies. The guy shooting at the dog gets out. He's speaking Norwegian to our Antarctica group here, um, this Navy research group, and they have no idea what he's saying. And um, he starts shooting at them. They shoot back and kill this guy who was trying to kill the dog. And um, and then that's kind of where this all starts to unfold. Mm. Um, our, our dog, you know, Wrangler here takes in this husky. Clearly it's traumatized because it was just being shot at. And, and it becomes, grenades. yeah, yeah. And um, they take this dog in. Probably the biggest mistake they could have made. Mm. Um so that's kind of our opening uh, of the thing here. We've got the UFO coming to Earth, and then we have the scene with the dog. Um, who wants to take it from here? What comes next? What what stuck out to you? Yeah, next? Well, next we kind of meet everybody at the facility, right? Like we kind of get. Yeah, let's talk about that like, a little bit. Yeah, we got like twelve different guys. Yep, yep. Um, Each. Um, how did you think they? How do you think they did? We've got twelve guys. Stuck in the middle of Antarctica. Mm-hmm. Um, how'd they do character-wise? I think they do. I think everybody gets a nice little establishment. Everybody feels different enough mm-hmm. that um, uh, you kind of you can track everybody, which is really key. With uh, dog was actually Daniel Day Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> um, when you are, you know, trying because you're trying to be quick here, like you want to get everybody to know everybody, but you don't want to linger too long. Um, you definitely want to, uh, 
connect with everyone, but then you want to get and cold every angry man. Everybody's killing it in the comments right now. That we got some good commenters. Yeah, 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 yeah. Everybody's you. doing a great job. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I know. I think the character work is really strong, and I think it's why the movie stays endearing throughout. And it, you also you get Kurt Russell getting an incredible introduction where he's drinking and playing chess and is losing to the computer chess and then just destroys it as in response, which is really just gives you what you need to know about him for the rest of the movie right off yeah. the bat. Um, Absolutely. Which is yeah. Great. And you, you kind of get the, the impression that, you know, these guys have been here for a while. We mm-hmm. don't really know what their research is, but um, I almost don't Not important. To. I I just assume, as many do, that we always have people military, in you know, involved up mm. in the Arctic doing weird science shit. Stuff. We know science. sciencey stuff. Science. The U.S. has a presence there. Canada does. Um, That's where Space Force is located, and that is not a joke. Um, Wait, yeah. it's, it's I'm learning like so Greenland. much today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's, it's yeah. I think it's more like Greenland, but I guess that kind of counts. Like, That's North Pole. Uh, I mean, yeah, but um, they, uh, uh, Space Force is up there. It's basically like to keep an eye on uh, space. Missile, missiles. <laughs> space uh, and forces. Yeah. Space. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. something that with these characters that I felt really strongly. And again, looking at like time is it felt again, I agree with Andrew. Like, I think you get a really good establish of, they establish all these people really well. And I think that one thing they do successfully is that everyone's kind of a character, like an eighties caricature. Like I was like, Oh, I've seen all these characters in an eighties movie before mm-hmm. I'm watching John the dead or yeah. any of those movies. Like it's very, it feels very similar and not in a bad way. Sure. Like it, it yeah. allows me it allowed me to be like, okay, I know who each of these guys are. Like, you have, like, the stoner guy. You're like, oh, he's the stoner guy. Mm-hmm. Copy. Got it. You got Kurt Russell who's, like, the, like, anti-hero hero guy who is fed up with where he's at, but he's going to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that what Carpenter does so well in this is gives you those characters, but you like all of that. Sure. Which is what I liked about the dog trainer. Like you said, like, for him – that character's one I was just like, oh, you like him immediately because there's this very uh, different relationship with the different people in that camp. Or like the general who like nobody likes and you can tell off the bat nobody fucking likes him. Um, I just feel like it was a good use of stock characters in a creative way. Like they yeah, could have yeah. been less than they were. And Carpenter does a good job at like building that out so you feel for or so you clock, which I'll get to later. So you start clocking each of these people because there mm. are always a lot of people to fit into like to cram into a movie like this. Sure. Right. Um, and, and I'm not going to lie. Like they started to kind of blend together for me. Like I, I did get confused on who was who at certain times and whatnot. Um, but I think that kind of plays into this because you've got a quote unquote alien, a thing that assimilates or, or uh, I guess becomes these people. So um, I think that kind of plays to the aliens uh, benefit. You know, that we don't really see a ton of character in each of these individuals because right. then they eventually become, quote unquote, the thing. And it almost makes it more suspicious to figure out who is who because they don't have these very specific character traits. So when they're acting a little weird, we're kind of like, um, that wasn't like the person I saw in the beginning of the movie. They're clearly the thing. I don't know. I could be totally wrong on that. No, but again, I think, I, you're balancing yeah, think- a huge cast. 
Yeah, well, it's a huge cast. I think a lot of that plays into the acting as well. And like, look, you're they're all. It's not like they anybody like they're not like Power Rangers. It's not like each person wears a different color, or it's not like they're you know they're all dressed similarly. They're all reacting to things in any similar kind of way, um, which is panic. Um, and I think they're also they've been there long enough. There's a lot going on, and I think that it has to. Do I think everything that you both have brought up are like great points about them, and they both work in the positive, which is that we we want to know these people, but not know them too well, but know them well enough that we can tell them when they're acting strange, but also maybe not be sure that they're acting strange because like exactly. oh maybe they're just effect- like they're you know a lot of that is tension and tone, and it's the acting and it's Carpenter, it's it's it, a lot of things working at the same time. So I think it's you know I think you guys are nailing nailing that on the head. I also yeah. might be looking too much into this, but I feel like this movie starts off immediately with questionable decisions. And what I mean by that, and this is where I'll get to like my plot thing, the fucking general, the main guy, the main like mm-hmm. military dude, older guy, breaking the goddamn window to shoot his gun. I'm like, you are in the middle of the Arctic and you're breaking. <laughs> your uh, not the best choice. Yeah. But, like, there were some. Like, there's some choices going on with this thing. And I'll get into it. Like, we're like, that yeah. to me is like a theme. Like, people making. Not smart choices, but not smart choices. Mm-hmm. Um, but what would you do? Wall. You know, like we have the the you know the benefit of being in our nice not little break the cozy window. Apartment. It's freezing fucking cold. <laughs> yeah, but you don't you have someone shooting at you, Nick. Come on, man. Just, no, just let him replace that window. It'd be great. It's easy. I know what you're minutes. saying. I get it. Um. Well, let, let's kind of get into okay. So Norwegians. They're, you know, we, we don't really know. <laughs> yes, please. Let's get into Norwegians, finally. Let's break down Norwegians. Oh, man. <laughs> um, they're dead now, uh, and we we don't really know what's going on. We mm. adopt their dog. Uh, I movie, mean, you will like if I you watch the prequel film that came out in 2011. Thank you very much. We're not going to watch that film. Yeah, we'll else? get there. I've got a little tidbit on that. Um, so the dog... They put it in with the other dogs. They got a bunch of dogs here um, at this research facility um, to, you know, live with his own. And this is where the movie just goes to a hundred. Um, they put the dog in this little canine cage with the others and immediately best acting again I've ever seen from an animal. The slow this walk, dog, the was dog like slow walking in is fucking great. great. And the other dogs start barking at it and growling because they know something's up. And then we get our first kind of John Carpenter moment. Um, Who wants to describe it? It it first, it it goes into the room, right? They have the little moment where it goes into the room. It sneaks in the room. You don't know who's in the room. You just see a shadow. And what's what's fun about that, too, and I could be wrong on this, but if I remember correctly... For that particular shot, they used like a key grip or somebody so like that. Yep. Yeah, they they purposely so nobody could recognize him. Yep. Yes, they use a shadow of somebody who was not a cast member in the film. Oh, Andreas! I'm so Andreas, sorry. we're so sorry, so buddy. So we sorry. meant nothing. No, it's great. I love Norway. <laughs> you just can't. You're just shooting from helicopters. I, um, Andreas, what would be a Norwegian cuisine that I could make um, here in the U.S.? Get back to me when you get the chance. I'm Get trying to cook other kinds of foods lately, and I don't know what's I, – I, I, um, I don't – you know, I think there are the – I don't know why I'm hijacking the podcast for this. I don't know. There are um, certain – like if you go to like, you know, Mexico, I'm going to try tacos or if I've got – and even that sounds more basic than it actually is. Or like certain regional foods 
Um, I don't know what there would be in Norway, but I would love to know. Um, Can I get a new Fisk? Oh, never mind. I uh, <laughs> actually, you know, maybe I'll try. I'll finally try it. That's a, I like fish. Hey, what um, about Norwegian bake? Because I like baking. So bakes, give me that. Go. I think you it. bake Lutefisk. I think that's baked. Like is that a, baked? I'm on it. I think it's like a bake. Ba- uh, Andres, I'm what the hell is happening here? I think that Lutefisk, and this is based almost entirely off of an episode of King of the Hill that I love, that Lutefisk <laughs> is not only a Midwestern uh, Minnesota kind of delicacy as well, but it is like fish that you bake like a casserole. This Andre, is Andre, we Andre, like two plus hours when we do yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is it. We this don't have the time tonight, gentlemen. Look, this I movie's feel like perfect. And, what are we going to do? I I, like <laughs> it's a perfect film. I'm controlled on my own Please. show. Um, all right. So, despite Norwegian cuisine, um, what what do we think of this first kind of um, botine special effects we got going on where uh, I mean, the dog just I, gets... <laughs> destroyed it's fucking great man it, it is, is great it's incredible it is, it is paced really well like just with the transformation it is horrifying like one thing i love about all the it transformations like the just like texture of it the like wet oh. like goopy like so sure. you're 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 just you're sucked into this thing that's happening and you're just both horrified and disgusted in, in the way that it should be i feel like oh like I, you feel bad for the dogs, but you just you're like, what the fuck is this thing gonna do? It's right. brilliant. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And brilliant. it literally <coughs> annihilates these other dogs. Oh man, um, it's really sad. Uh, I, you know, like I knew going into this movie that I was going into a quote unquote like kind of body horror movie, um, but I didn't know to what extent. And I was eating chili. When I was watching, oh, buddy, this. no, wonderful, biggest mistake I could have made. I, I'm not, and like I'm not exaggerating when I say like I almost, I almost threw up. It was the first time Excellent. I've watched him besides Hereditary when the scene. Oh, Hereditary, did you throw up? Almost at the head Wait, part. And uh, a question before you: Were you a parent when you watched Hereditary yet, or no? I was not. No, not yet. Okay, not yet. just I'm letting you know. Yeah, that shit real. Like that oh, happened. My wife was upstairs, and I was like. Oh, sir! Yeah, sure, sure. That was the Mark, only. Other I had, I had a hard time left. watching Clerks three last night, so I'm already. <laughs> I already it gets worse, oh. dude. Oh man, that so one. Nice. Well, that one. I mean, Clerks three is heavy. Oh um, my god! Yeah, yeah. Oof. If you haven't done it, I think yeah, yeah. yeah Clerks three is great. I really enjoyed it, but it, it, it's 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 heavy. I um. I uh, yeah, watching horror with kids now. I have a if anybody wants to, I write for a website called Pajiba that I love P A J I B A. Um, and if you look up like if you do Google like Pajiba Andrew Sanford Child's Play, I wrote a piece about um, watching Child's Play for the first time. Uh, as did a he new, mean to say dad. that? I'm sorry. Um, oh, I don't <laughs> sorry know. to distract uh, you, gays. Um, I, but, I think he meant guys. I don't know. Uh, watching Child's Play as a new dad was the first time that I felt specifically affected by what I was watching because of having children. Um, mm. Which and I, I have purposely not watched films that I usually watch. Um, for instance, like Pet Cemetery. That being said, I did listen to the Pet Cemetery audiobook in October, so I was mm. I, <laughs> okay. so I'm still steeped in there a little bit. Uh, but dog, dog, dog guts. 
getting sprayed on. That's yeah. another thing, man. Yeah. Those dogs, those poor dogs didn't want to wake up that day and get sprayed in the face or whatever the fuck they were spraying in their face. It's uh, nice CGI back to your initial game. ASPCA <laughs> announcement um, of yeah. the night. Yes, but, um, I know. But I it know. is. It's incredible. And it's it, what's great, too, is it is – and this is the case um, – with the uh, monster, all we know about it is that it can mimic and copy other people. We don't know how it does that. We don't know, like, all, we do learn at a certain point that it's at least on like a very base, like molecular level, because they can even tell if it's like if it has recreated your blood, because it would mm-hmm. have had to do that. So there's like there's something very like it is what is going on is beyond our pers- our human perception um and because of that it frees the movie of doing too much exposition it allows us to stay firmly in all of the main characters uh pov which is very effective so we feel confused by what they are confused by nobody has all the answers which ratchets up the tension except for wilford brimley um but the having all the answers uh kind of makes him go nuts mm-hmm. you know like which is very it's very lovecraft in that way the whole I, movie that's a really good question something i thought about watching this movie because i was trying to track like when people get infected if you even can right which i know mm-hmm. is very ambiguous and i was yeah, wondering so so I was like, is Welfare, is he, is he infected from the beginning and the breaking of the, we're skipping he starts doing like all the analysis, right? Like how long will it take, uh, the likelihood of someone else being infected 75%, how long will it take for the world to get infected? It brings those numbers up. And so the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, he's running these numbers and he freaks out because he realizes like where this is going to go. But then rewatching it because he clearly, spoiler towards the end, is infected, right? Is, I was like, well, shit. Is he infected then? He's doing the numbers of how long it will take him to do this, which then explains why he starts breaking fucking everything. Yeah, I don't know. Flips out. Yeah, I was um, like, I could be wrong, but I was like, well, maybe he already is. Maybe that's a choice he's making. I don't know. The only I know. reason I would say no is because I don't think it's an infection. I know where your head's at, and I yeah. think that makes a lot of sense, what you're saying. But because it gets down to the fact where if they – like when they test their blood and they find out who is actually in fact or who is taken over or a recreation, Mm. the blood moves like it's its own organism. So by the time we are seeing a version of them that is the thing, they are no longer them in any semblance of of the word. Now, that being said – I can see what you're saying because they still talk and act like them. So it could be within that thing's nature to say, I am pretending to be this guy. So I have to keep freaking out. So right. maybe I'll just say yeah. this stuff. And you never see when he gets taken. Like that's the other thing. I was yeah. talk, like when he gets, he's in the secure room, everyone's inside that building, which I'll get to in a second. Um, but all of a sudden he is like, he's it. And he's like right. building fucking chips and like, and so I was like, man, is he, is he like do is this is he this monster even into that autopsy? Cause like I always think about the autopsy and the dude's hand gets fucking cut off, but like during that autopsy, he's taking shit out and he's very chill about it. Like this thing isn't alive, and I'm like, well man, maybe he's an alien. And it's that's the long game. It starts there. I don't know. I get I maybe I'm looking too deep into all this. No, I honestly I think it's a fair question to ask. And I I I I think what's kind of fun is they're almost 
isn't an answer. Like, yeah, that yeah, doesn't mean that, like there's, I, there's this like, is like Schrodinger's This cat, is like the beauty of yeah. the script. Um, yeah. Again, what was the script writer's name? Uh, Bill Lancaster. I, I just, I love that everything is so perfectly paced in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I had some issues uh, with overall story, but like script wise, the pacing, and that has a lot to do with Carpenter too. Uh, the way scenes are set up, you have these fade outs in this movie, which you mm-hmm. didn't see a lot in movies at that time. Um, that was a very old school kind of technique of using fade outs. You have to that to the original, like the homage. I think it was. They did that too in the original, mm-hmm. but I also think it sets up like these are little scenes playing out. So the minute you kind of are comfortable in a scene and trying to figure stuff out, it fades out, and then we're thrust into the next scene that's about to unravel sure. and figure out who is the thing and who's not. Um I, I do want to step back a little bit here um with you guys before we move on. Um we gotta talk about when they actually so they 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 retrieve these videos from the Norwegians <laughs> and uh it shows them you know going to this site where this craft was this UFO um and they actually go to it and this is where they start to figure out whoa Okay, something something's messed up here. There's a bunch of, you know, just crazy, crazy shit going on. Um, they end up getting this creature or person that they bring back to the research facility. And um and this is this is kind of where things really get batshit crazy, mm-hmm. in my opinion, where we start doing the autopsies and trying to yeah. figure out what's going on uh brimley like you mentioned is doing this autopsy and i love it because he's like taking out these human organs and whatnot and he's just going oh he's so good man he's incredible like his guttural reactions I How old do you think he is? Why would you wear a mask? Why is no one wearing a mask during this bullshit? I would not want like alien shit flying in my mouth. I don't <laughs> no know. No gloves, no mask. No, just like, like reach in no there way. and pull that shit he, out. Boom. No he put it, he put a pencil inside that guy and then put <laughs> oh. the pencil behind his mother effing ear. That's how much he doesn't give a fuck. So again, that kind of plays into like, oh, he doesn't care. Like, is he a thing already? Or is this just the way d- <laughs> biologists worked back then, very yeah. haphazard. I don't know. I, 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 I'm sorry. I, I, I need to ask, um, how old do you guys think Wilford Brimley is in this movie? <laughs> no looking. Like oh, 45. I'm going to say, yeah, I'm going to say like 40. I'm going to do the prices right. I'm going to say 46. Fuck you. Okay. Well, I'm actually kind of annoyed because, yeah, because right, I think it's like 48, 47, something like that. So I right, gotta like, be honest. The only reason why I guessed lowest, I read because I was reading about him. I'm like, is that the Quaker Oats guy? Gotcha. And then I started reading gotcha. like that he was in some movie. He was cast way older. He's like the youngest of all of the cast. But he was cast way older. And then he was like a rodeo person and a blacksmith. That dude had a crazy fucking life. Yeah, 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 crazy. yeah, yeah. Go look yeah. him up. It's yeah. worth the time. Yeah, Wilford Brimley is the man. I was like, awesome. I was like, is that the diabetes guy? And I was like, oh, he's the Quaker Oats guy too. <laughs> Mind blown. Mind blown. Um, so, I mean, we don't have to go through the movie beat by beat. I know we don't have a ton of time, but okay. may, may I mention a moment real quick before we yes, get it? Because it might actually yeah. be um, my it. favorite scare 
uh, in any movie, uh, specifically okay. because I remember the moment that I first time I saw it. I'm sure I'm, I'm, there's no way I'm the only person that thinks this. Maybe not even on this podcast, but um, the defibrillator oh. um, going down. Oh. A couple, I think it goes down like once, maybe twice, and then goes down again. And the man's chest opens up and bites off yep. the hands. Dude, of yes. down with the defibrillator. Ugh. It oh. sees. <laughs> Pound for pound, one of my favorite practical effects ever. I think it still looks amazing. It's so perfect at the point of the story that it's at because it, 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 it I mean, talk about like the through the looking glass kind of moment. Like from that point on, like that's when it starts turning it like with the dude's head coming up and oh, like it's shooting God. up into the roof. Like everything, it's almost like it, the monster keeps r- hitting a reset button on what we know about it. Right. Um, which just makes it even scarier. Uh, and it's, yeah. I yeah. Just it. yeah, all this. Ugh, just incredible, incredible, insane stuff. <laughs> it's so <laughs> fucking cool. The other moment with that, because I agree, Andrew, like, I love that part. The other moment I love, like, with the facts that is a little bit simpler, but not when you think about it, is when the dude's fingers go through the guy's face. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, 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 man. I just, like, every time I watch him, it's like, oh, 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 yep. but it, it's, so fucking well done. Yeah. Like in how long oh, you see it, so, I, all of it. Sorry. It, it's amazing. No, I was going to say a little bit of trivia. I just found this out today. The scene where, you know, the defibrillators go inside and the stomach eats the guy's arms. Oh. They actually, they hired an amputee who didn't have amazing. arms. To, really? Um, and they threw a mask on him. So if you, if you pause during that part, you can tell it's a mask. But in the moment, you you have no idea. Amazing. They actually hired that's a guy great. with no that's arms. Oh, that's great. I always love they did that. One of those for uh, the uh, remake of Donna the, the Zack Snyder and James Gunn's Dawn of the Dead movie, where there's somebody with no legs. Love that movie. Yeah, yeah love yeah. that movie. Yeah, so yeah, good. yeah. It's good um, stuff. Okay. Well, I mean, wait. Again, we could talk about each body okay. horror well, moment. If in we're this. here, it's kind of a good example. Right if we've here. jumped, if we've jumped to kind of these parts of the movie, can I please tell you my one issue with this movie? My one issue with Star Trek yeah, where I was like, yeah. "God damn it, guys!" So you know, like at this point in this movie, you're like, "Okay, this there's a fucking alien floating around that's going to like kill us, right?" And it looks like us and it acts like us. Why would you let anyone? Ever not go in parties of three? Like there, there are people floating around by themselves. There's people floating around in parties of two. I'm like, my first thing is like, first of all, stop drinking. Number two, <laughs> number two, parties of three. Always parties of three. If you have to go anywhere, no one's going fucking anywhere. And they're just like, they're like, Kurt Russell, you can go to your shack. It's cool. Go to your shack. Go get some. <laughs> go get some ice cream. Take one person with you. And I'm like, well, if there's an alien, he attacks you in the shadows. You're fucked. So mm. why are we not doing parties of three all the time? Parties of three. I was like, you're all stupid. Everyone in this camp is stupid. Stupid people. Sorry. Again, I, I just, parties and I understand it. I, I, the only defense I have is like, we weren't there. Like decisions parties are poorly made. Um, every one of them at some point make a poor decision. And I, I think that kind of is a testament to the situation, the isolation, the paranoia. Mm. You just you, like everything is so uncertain to a point that it will drive you crazy and you're not thinking logically. And of course, we have the helicopter pilot who kind of becomes the leader in all of this when it should be Wilford Brimley, in my opinion, who goes. Unless he's already an alien. 
Exactly. And they end up putting him in a shack and, and saying, <laughs> oh, like, you're oh, on your yeah, own, the buddy. Shack. The shack with the, the shack. fucking noose, the, the like noose. noose in shot. I was like, yeah, and yeah. then he's yeah. like, guys, there's a noose. And then he's like, hey, I'm okay now. I'm totally not the thing. I love I'm that. I love that. Not the thing. I think that's the best. That's the best acting in the movie. I'm good. Another moment, probably my favorite moment in the movie, is when um, Wilford Brimley's character um, is shooting at one of the other guys, and he runs out of bullets, so he just throws the gun. Yeah, that's great. I saw that. I thought there was an old SNL skit where it was like Superman, and they're like shooting Superman. He's like, ha 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 ha, and they throw the gun at Superman. He's like, whoa, that's all. It's those moments, like there are some moments of levity in this movie, again, with the spider head part, um, mm. probably the most iconic moment in this movie, in my opinion, when the little thing is like skittering across the floor. Sure. <laughs> and we get the famous line, as someone pointed to in the, the chat there, like, you got to be effing kidding me. Like, this is where we're at. Um, yeah. I love it that Carpenter put those in there. And yeah. Um, there were a few others, I think, in the deleted scenes. Like, you know, the big question in this movie is how come there were no female researchers? And like, take of that what you will. This is a movie in the eighties. Like, I didn't. Even it might. Think of that. I'm a bad person. Yeah, like maybe I mean, people were thinking, oh, there's one woman there with like eleven other guys. Ooh, blah, 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 blah. I could, um, I could honestly see that being against military regulations at that point. That time, might be. Yeah. You're probably right, actually. Um, but apparently, there's a deleted scene where. Um. Uh. What's his name? Kurt Russell's character, Mick McReady. Mm. Uh. He finds a blow up doll in one of the guys' rooms, nice. like a sex doll. Nice. Uh, God, I wish they kept that in there. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that would have explained so much. Right. God, I love the thing. I love it so much. Like, I love it. But you know what? It doesn't. Ha- it doesn't have a sex doll. And they- God, but it does. Oh, I would. Love- I would love the movie so much more if it had a sex doll. I need parties uh, three, but I need the sex doll. That's where we're at right now. Andrew sees it as a perfect film. Someone's going to clip this audio and be like, all uh, right, it was a sex doll. Sex Thanks. Doll. Someone's like my Kathy, fault. Kathy, Kathy, the Kathy like, comic is always here going like, chocolate, <laughs> ack, and with Ryan, Ryan's, it's sex doll. Ack. Oh, oh, my God. <laughs> what am I doing? Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. 
Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Um, let's, let's, okay. So we have all these scenes where like no one knows who's the thing. Um, maybe a few people, maybe none. Who freaking knows? Everything's all flipped upside down. And that bottom right-hand corner image you see there is probably my favorite oh, scene so good. in this movie. So good. Where yeah. McCready decides to tie the remaining people uh, to you know these chairs. And um, <laughs> even the dead people he tied up, which I think yeah. is hilarious in the back there. Um, well, someone's getting their hands bitten off, so it makes sense to me. Mm. Yeah, good point. Good well, point. isn't it? Yeah, and also the defrosted body they bring back is one of, is also like part of it. Right? Yeah, that was a, yeah. So yeah, no, they're not fucking. They, they'll go in yep. groups of two, but they're not fucking around with the people. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I also because I think it's it also speaks to like the maybe why they don't always travel in groups because they just they don't trust each other so much. These tying these people down, and it's one of those things where it's like. You understand that impulse, but it also gets those people killed when the shit goes exactly. Down. So it's it it's, takes it's like wonderful, yeah, Before yeah. Sorry, know, Andrew. It takes it, every fiber of their being to like even like be loyal to one another in the tiniest right. of ways because right. they just don't, don't know. know. And that's the tension that just kept my anxiety going this entire movie, and it was so incredibly paced. Um, and then you get to this scene where McReady's like, all right, shit, like, I'm done. We're testing blood. We're going to figure it out. If you're one of these things, I'm burning you to death, and we're going to, you know, figure this shit out. Um, and this is probably my favorite part of the movie, honestly. It's no so music, hard. nothing behind it. Um, and he starts testing their blood one mm-hmm. by one. And literally every second, and again, this is my first time watching it. I had no idea what was about to happen. Yeah. I now I will never have that luxury again. <laughs> but even watching it a second time, my it anxiety is still though. there. Oh my god! Yeah, dude. Of him yeah. testing each person's blood, you can hear it. You can hear like he's using this little electric shock thing to yeah, see if like the blood he reacts. Heated up, boy. Yeah, uh, yeah. And it's incredible. just the tension. I've never seen a scene like this in a movie. I Maybe in like best... a Tarantino movie, but other than that, it oh, is one of the best pop it. scares of because it's such an underrated pop scare that you're not like because like, you didn't know because again even watching it like you watch it the first time you don't know what's going to happen when he nails the button to have it like explode in that way it was oh, like yeah, a so per- for the thing I love about a lot of John Carpenter films like even if you look at like the original Halloween is that like. He doesn't build it on pop scares. He builds tension, which I love. I think it's really, really effective in this movie. Mm-hmm. Tension and like claustrophobia and tight and being those tight quarters. But like, if he's gonna do a pop scare, it is simple yet really effective. I think about the hand hitting the glass in the first Halloween movie inside the car. I mm-hmm. um, escapes from this, right? Like when he touches that blood and it just it blows up, and you're not because you have no idea what that reaction is going to be. And I think it is in terms of a building tension for that moment, it's really well executed. Yeah. Um, which I'm just saying, everything, yeah. everyone knows that John Carpenter is a fucking Aww. master of horror. But. Well, and before we go any <laughs> further, I do want to bring up what Grant Levock um, is probably one of the biggest Kurt Russell fans ever. My buddy in Australia who's in the chat here. Um, he clearly loves this movie as I 
do too. Um, now I'm a huge fan now. Uh, he brought up the AIDS epidemic, which actually, the, in terms of like social commentary, was mm-hmm. a big thing when this movie came out. Sure. And I think it does play into it a lot, this idea of something um, you know, spreading and you just don't know right. who has it. And everyone mm-hmm. was paranoid. We and didn't know. Like, was it the, yeah. Was it transmitted? Um, could you get it from coughing on some? Like, you just don't know. So I right. think that that's... And I think that played against the movie actually and why it did so poorly mm-hmm. when it came out. We'll get to that later on. Um, but I do think the AIDS epidemic played a big part in this, whether it did subliminally or like on the actual surface of the Burt Lancaster writing this script. I don't know, but you can't deny the, the parallels between well, those two. I think we were just talking about this. In a, I was, I'm a professor, college professor too for context, but like we were talking about this in, in a meeting like whenever we teach art, right? You teach theater, teach art, you teach like anything within I mean, really anything, right? When you're going in to teach, like you can't separate. It's really hard. I think to separate traumas, traumas of the world that are going on. Right. So like, if we're looking at this film, like whether that's purposeful or not, like that is a, a real trauma that is happening at that time. So like, you can't take that stuff out of context. Like people always right. will contextualize what's happening. And so mm-hmm. when you talk about this, like I think about, uh, a friend of our, you know, Ryan, you know, Wayne, like talking about living in New York city in the eighties and walking down the street and seeing people dead, right. Dead of AIDS. Like they died yeah. on the street in the village or in like the Lower East side. And so I think that's a really good point. Like you can't, you can't separate those things. Just like, I think for like, for us, right. As we watch things like I was watching the last of us, right. Or my wife and I were, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. Uh, and they talk about like the fun, did you not like it? We can. Oh no, I loved it. Oh okay. god, no, that we was. We should a talk about that when it's seen it yet. That right, was okay. mm-hmm. When that show's done, we should talk about that. But um, good stuff. But the intro, without spoiling, the intro of that show literally talks about like they're talking about pandemics, right? And I think if you had not lived through a pandemic, you'd be like, oh man, yeah, that shit's scary. Um, because the game was made before the pandemic, and so, but now that we've lived through a literal pandemic, you're like, oh, fuck yeah, yeah. Exactly. And so I think that like, you're right, like the AIDS aspect of this, whether it's purposeful or not, like, that is a thing that people are dealing with in a very real way, especially like when you think about like, who's writing and acting people coming from New York and LA, where a lot of this shit is cast, right? And dealing with this stuff in an everyday type way. You can't separate those things, right? right? You really can't. And even I think about watching this film, in a modern sense, living, you know, going through what we've all gone through. Um, like that still plays in, right? Like what is like yeah. sickness or like who is sick, who isn't sick? Like, is it a cold? Is it COVID? Is it, yeah, yeah. Like all these unknowns, like we're, that's so fresh to us now um, as a culture that I think that you can't, you can't pull those things apart, whether it's intentional right. or not. Like it's always, yeah. it's always there. It's baked in, it's baked in trauma, I guess. Yeah. Baked in trauma. That's so, that's the most academic thing I'll ever say in your podcast. <laughs> Thank you, <laughs> professor Nick. I love it. Um, well, I guess let's kind of let's let's get to kind of the um the end of the, the plot, video game. quote unquote yeah no. <laughs> uh, yeah we'll get there um it was a so like game. uh you know we have the famous you know the 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 thing we're we're seeing more and more of the thing as more and more people die mm-hmm. and then we finally get to I guess the final moments where um you know McCready is like we gotta blow up this whole place like this. Oh. 
we have yeah. we have no choice. This is the <laughs> right. only thing we can do to stop it from spreading. Um, we're blowing up the base, so he we're all gonna die. And he says we're all gonna die. Pour our whiskey into the computer, maybe. Yes, exactly. Um, so him, uh, Childs, who we haven't really talked about a lot, um, because he is very unassuming throughout the film. We kind of see him as having a really good relationship with McCready. Mm. Um, and you know, they have a moment of tension, I think, at one point, but they are they kind have, like, of a couple moments of tension. Yeah, they they're definitely do. like, you know, it's all a dick measuring contest of the certain yeah, it is, they're, they're it the is. two tough um, guys. Exactly. Uh, and him and a few of the others go down into the, you know, the basement of the 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 place where um, who was it that was kind of planning this big uh, was literally building a new spaceship? Is it, it, no, it's, uh, Brimley, it's Brimley's character. Yeah, Brimley's that's why I thought he was a fucking alien from the beginning. Yeah. He's trying to build a spaceship. I don't know if he what like is he out of old parts, out of the old helicopter parts and all that shit. Yeah, which is the most unrealistic part of the movie, I think, but also hilarious. Uh-huh. Um, but so they figure they see this, and then we get the final moments of the, the most unrealistic part: a dog sprays liquid on another dog and becomes that dog. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's scientifically sound, Andrew. Yeah. I checked the science before this, we got on. This here is somewhere in the skies, so. Andrew. That shit is yeah. Is actually in the Pentagon, yeah, yeah. liquid dog. No, you're rolled there, buddy. Yeah, that's 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 <laughs> that was factual. <laughs> um, so okay, so our final characters start getting picked off, and um, we finally kind of see the thing in its big form. I don't have an image here, but guys, go watch the movie if you haven't. You and it's them. pretty pretty grotesque, and. Um, we're kind of left with a final showdown between McCready, our helicopter pilot, the hero of the mm-hmm. film, and the thing. That and, monster um, is very moist. It's a very moist monster. Very moist. It's a moist monster. Very right? It's moist. been down there. It's sweaty. It's um, you know, <laughs> it, it's got a lot stuffed. going on. <laughs> and um, and that's when McCready decides. All right, I'm just gonna blow it all to hell, and we get these final moments. Right? <laughs> Am I missing anything? No, we'll get to the very last scene because that's the yeah, yeah, yeah. oh god, yeah, I, I, I have so many thoughts on the actual ending. I but, love um, the I love the tunnel scene in this movie. I think again, we talk about like another really tense scene of this film. Um, I think the dog. So we like go through like really well constructed tense scenes. The first dog, the dog cage scene, and dog walking in that happening. So the the autopsy scene, the first one. The second autopsy, like the hand ripped off scene, bite off scene. The blood scene and then the tunnels the tunnels i feel like the way that's shot and the way it's paced it's so both frenetic and built like you know you feel that climax coming and you're just waiting to see like how is this going to unfold because now i always get this feeling they're out of their element right they've gone like the building buildings are their element like they understand that they understand the space they've lived in it and when they leave that and go underground now they're leaving their their environment, their turf. And I think you feel that really distinctly as they try to like set up this explosion. I think that's really smart yeah. too. They take them out of their environment into a brand new environment, even though it's the same place, right. which I liked a lot. 
Interesting. Interesting. I want to thank Arik uh, very quickly here, Ortiz Film. Should the Among Us movie just be the Thing remake in space since Last of Us is very Walking Dead? Mm-hmm. Oh, mm. Can I do another shout? Uh, Eric, he's a filmmaker I've worked with. That dude is awesome. So if you get a chance to check out his work, you should. He's a good dude. Awesome. Well, thank hey, you for the super chat, Eric. I'll, I'll definitely have to check out his work. Thanks for being here, man. Thanks for checking us out. Hope you'll become a subscriber. Subscribe below. I had to do it. Sorry, guys. Um, we know what this is. Okay. So, Andrew, take it, man. Um, McReady blows this shit all to he hell. Does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He right. blows it up and then he's left with Childs. And I think we already got the uh, question in the chat, which is whether or not Childs is um, an alien or if he's normal, which I think um, I did. Somebody said it could be answered in either way. I. I personally think uh, no, and I will explain why. Two I things: we're going, we're going very base with it. By the time it's just the two of them, the alien has no reason to remain childs in that moment, or to have it be the kind of tense, quiet moment uh, mm-hmm. that it ends up being. The other reason I would say no is because I think it goes against the themes that are being established in the movie particularly when it comes to trust and how humans especially can often get in our own way when it comes to trusting people down to our own detriment. And I think that happens several times throughout the movie um, where you see if they're, you know, if people would have just calmed down and talked and not turned on each other so quickly, or maybe tried to trust each other a little bit more, <laughs> things wouldn't be as bad. I think it's, it would be, I think the true poetry of the movie would be that these two humans are left together. Both of them are fine. Um, but the trust is just not there, so they freeze to death. And mm-hmm. I mean, they're going to freeze to death anyway. But there's no, there's they, not even any solace that they're going to die together as the last two humans. They just kind of die bitter and afraid and alone. This is the most nihilistic ending to a movie I've seen, and it was up there. perfect. These it are the last lines in the movie. Best well, what is, is, let's just sit here for a minute. Yeah, you know what the line is. I thought that I think it's fucking. Great, and you're just like here for a little while. See what happens. Oh Um, man! I when I saw that, I'm like, oh my god! I wish I could write an ending like that. And then, and then the thing, and then that credit, and then like that's other thing in terms of good editing and filmmaking. And then, boom, the thing. I just Mm -hmm. like it ends on such a nice period in a way that I think is just like you're like, oh, it hits you, and you're like that, yeah. I mean, well, a, yeah. Whew. Period is um I would agree Nick, but clearly the franchise of the thing didn't think so because oh, we actually got a um Oh, we got a, a sequel. sequel and hey, we got a prequel. What's um, the sequel? I so the sequel's the video game. The video the game. The video game. There was a video game Nick. Let's talk about this for just a moment that Love came out games. um where uh you know the US military comes to figure out what the hell happened here and um and th- then it kind of unfolds from there yeah. clearly something lived on something of the thing survived and then we see the military fighting the thing and that's the game it's a first yeah. person shooter game it's actually no, it's pretty not good a first, no, if it's third it's third person oh it's third person there I might have been a first person one that came out in conjunction with the the prequel uh, movie okay. don't quote me on that but um this one was third person i had it on my ps2 i actually played through it twice 
and both Isn't times that good? the ending was is it very good? difficult. Super good. It was a lot of fun. Um, I'm not sure how it holds up now, but one of my favorite things about it, especially at the time, um, was there was a mechanic where you would basically be collecting team members kind of as the thing was gone on because you would be going through and it's the game is really good, Eric. Um, mm. uh, but they, it, you uh, would be like collecting team members and then having to like, they could end up getting like too scared and you had to have to try to calm them down and you would calm them down by like giving them a gun or like trying to give them a pep talk or like trying to give like you would give them like a first aid pack that they could hold on to. So you'd be trying to like earn trust um, mm-hmm. from the people on your team. And then you could also test people's blood if you weren't sure about them. And um, there was a big, you had a big emphasis on using like flamethrowers to fight a lot of these <laughs> things, which is a super fun mechanic. Um, and now I never got to witness this myself, which is kind of a, because I remember both times I played through, there's a moment in the very end that I just could not get past for whatever reason um, and did not have enough space on my memory card to attempt it enough to actually <laughs> PS2 might, might matter. PS2 memory cards doesn't matter. Um, they, uh, I couldn't get past it, but at the end of the video game, um, when you succeed and get helicoptered out of there, you are picked up by someone um, who helps you escape and then introduces themselves as being Bear McCready. So, in the world of the oh, movie, kind wow. of, at least in the video <clears throat> game, he did survive. Um, well, we should mention too, John Carpenter. He has said that this video game is unofficial. Really? Oh, oh cool. Well, well, I mean, hey, you, you know what? I'm there for it. John he, Carpenter. He, did, he, yeah. he fully supported the game, and he said, "Yep, yeah, yeah. I'm all for this story playing out." Um, and I Ryan, love. Yeah. B- before we dive into the, pr- I will say, I think I have to get going. Unfortunately. Oh, um, absolutely, man. No, yeah. no worries at all. Uh, no, yeah, that can be um, out for a little bit longer. Okay, thanks, Nick. Hey, uh, Andrew, before you go, buddy, I got to put this up. Uh, first of all, a very happy birthday to you guys. Uh, happy uh, birthday, Andrew! Yesterday. Thank you. Thank you. Um, hey, and yes. to celebrate. Yes! Tell us about your short film before sure. you get going here. If you it's don't a short it. religious horror film called Pay the Tithe. Um, we, it's about uh, uh, two couples who go to celebrate an engagement uh, out in a house in the middle of the woods, and then a wounded priest arrives and starts turning everybody against each other. And as he does, his wound begins to heal. Very proud of it. I wrote and directed it uh, back in November of 2021, and we premiered at the Atlanta Horror Film Festival uh, back in October. We'll also be at um, Pensacon in Pensacola, Florida in uh, February, the end of February. Uh, so we're out there still waiting to hear on some other dates uh, or other festivals and things of that nature. And then um, we'll eventually get it online so everybody can see it at their leisure. But if, yeah, if you're in, if you're in Florida near the Pensacola area, we'll be at Pensacon. I, I think it's like the 24th and 25th. Andrew, before you leave, I was very lucky to both read this script and get seen early cut of it. Cause Andrew is a lovely human being. It is it is incredible and it oh, is beautifully you, done and executed. And so kudos to you, Andrew. And if you can see it, it is check it out. It's, it is worth so every much. minute you watch. Thank you. Yep. yep. I, I had the pleasure too. So um, Thank you both. check it out guys. When it becomes available, you can follow Andrew on uh, Twitter, right? At yep, yeah, Twitter at Sanford minus son. Uh, I have Instagram, but it's private. So 
Andrew's the only reason. Unless you know, unless you know me, don't uh, don't worry about it. <laughs> That's fair, buddy. Yeah. Any uh, final words on the thing before I? I would find here. the video game if you can track it down. I'm sure you could probably find an emulator of it at this point. Um, watch mm-hmm. the movie if you can get it. See uh, it. Uh, they actually, I think there was a whole thing that Mick Garris was talking about in 2022 because I think Fathom Events did something for the 40th anniversary, but the uh, the screening did not look good. So if you're gonna go see a screening of it someplace, make sure you're watching a good one. Apparently, um, and. <laughs> Uh, don't do Fathom events or do. Sorry if you work for Fathom events. And um, yeah, just, you know, I love the thing. And I, I've never seen the prequel. Uh, you guys can fill me in later. But um, I maybe I just know one of the dudes from Dumb and Dumb Er is in it. Yeah. One of those dudes is from where I grew up. So I don't know which one, though. And so the one I'm thinking of was also in an episode, uh, quite a few episodes of Community. He's funny. He's perfectly. Is, he sk- is, he, is he the one that played Jim Carrey's character? Yes, he's. I, I know. I he's from Davenport, yeah. Iowa. I, I know who you're talking about. Uh, we'll get to the prequel as well we'll as the of of that movie where you can't, where no one can talk. That's true. That's fair. Quiet. I'll let you go yeah. here, buddy. Right. I know Bye, you Andrew. Go. You you're amazing. See you guys later. Thank you for joining later. us, buddy. Of course. Take care. Thanks for having me. Have a good weekend. You too. Happy birthday. Is it even worth and continuing then with Andrew gone? I mean, I'm worth <laughs> nothing. Said, I'm literally worth nothing. Just cut it now. All I brought was here. Think. Let us know in the chat. Should Andrew should and I keep going? Yeah. Um, Well, Nick, let's talk about. um, I Um, did not. Real conversation begins. Let me just. Yeah, let's talk about Andrew. Um, I did not see the prequel. Uh, Apparently, it's it follows the story of the Norwegians, and we we get to see their their story play out. And it's one of these uh, Rogue One esque sort of movies where. We see it play out, and then the final moments of the the prequel lead right into the first moments of the 1982 thing. So that's yeah. it's cool. It's a cool idea. It's a cool concept, you know. Um, but it kind of demystifies uh, the whole nature of um, of it all, in my opinion. And here's the other thing: the prequel was all CGI. They did practical effects for everything. And the practical effects looked amazing. I watched a behind the scenes of it. I haven't seen the actual prequel, but I watched a behind the scenes. That's practical like effects. I know, seriously. Uh, yeah. They were incredible, and they wanted to do it to pay homage to the original. Uh, and then, of course, the hands of the executives and the producers at Universal got it, got their tentacles around it and said, "We don't like it. It looks too '80s and retro." And this is before no. like the '80s was no. cool again. And they changed everything to CGI. And it was horrendous. You know, something that like I was having this conversation with my wife because she just worked. Oh, I can't. Never mind. She worked something that was. She, my wife does events. I. It's almost it. Uh, but anyway, uh, you know, she she they were honoring a filmmaker that we all like a lot. And uh, something I like about that filmmaker is that the blending of CGI and practicals. I I will stand. I will go to my fucking grave, standing by. Them. They are the best thing to watch. And I understand like doing a prequel. And wanting to like smooth thing out, smooth things out with CGI because CGI is great for that, right? When you watch something like Hellboy, right, which has all these practical effects to it, and or Cabin of Curiosities, if you like that kind of stuff, like things can get smoothed out with CGI and look great. But like the I like there is something about practicals that are really tangible, and for a movie like this, right, where what makes that alien so great. Um, is that it feel it feels real or even like I'll even go to like 
because Stan Winston, right? Like, go like the original Jurassic Park. That shit holds up because mm-hmm. it is this really nice mix of practicals and CGI. Um, yeah. So I think that, like, making that choice, I, I get it. I understand. And CGI has come a long way, and you can do cool stuff with it. But when you can use practicals, I really think that it 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 allows your film to stand up more. Um, it's one of my biggest things with, like, the Star Wars prequels like when I watch them is like, it's so overly CGI'd and green screen that like you feel it because it doesn't age. Whereas like you watch Jurassic park where obviously not all of it aged perfectly, but shit holds up. And the things the same way, like even the stuff that doesn't look real, like when they use like a stuffed dog or Amtrak dog and some of that in the, in the scene where the dog is getting just massacred. But like the fact that like that alien is so visceral in the way that it's created um, it just draws you in, right? Because it's one of those things where you can like, it sounds strange, but like you can feel a taste. Like you just, you you get all your senses are engaged because you don't have any disconnect by knowing it's a computer. Um, right. and I, listen, I love CGI. CGI has made some amazing movies that I love now. Like superhero movies are at our peak because of CGI. Like you don't get that cool shit without CGI, but there are just things where like, Sometimes it's better to to just create it. It just exactly. is, and there's and well, there's magic to that. There is, yeah, and it's a magic we don't see that often anymore. We see, we did see a lot of it. I would say in stuff like the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Yeah, and they uh, hold but up. then and hold the fuck up. They hold up so well, but then you get to the Hobbit trilogy, and it's all CGI because they just didn't have time, and right. they got rid of everything. All the Costumes, all the props. Well, and Peter they Jackson were all was directed, so that also exactly that's a whole um, other story. I know. Yeah. Well, um, while we're on effects, I've got three quick clips that I want to run through with you, if that's cool, buddy. Because I know you got to get going too. Yeah, I got um, I got about another twenty minutes. So okay, perfect. That that's all I need. If if even that. Um, here's a clip of John Carpenter. <laughs> here's a clip of John Carpenter talking about the effects in The Thing. I did want to play this. The Thing can look like anything. It doesn't have to look like one creature. It could look like every life form it's imitated throughout the universe because it's been on travels, on its travels for a long, long time. So it was a chance to create a monster that was design-based and based on the movement we can get it and based on some really crazy um, kind of offbeat ideas. I don't know that there's been a monster done like this. Yeah, uh, there, there has it. This, this movie, just everything about it, I, I just, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm so happy I finally have been introduced to it. It's, um, it's a masterclass in filmmaking. It really is. I mean, I wish, like, yeah. this is where I wish we still had Andrew as someone who is, like, a behind-the-camera I know. He's a writer too, but like, you know, a director, I, you know, it, it just, like you said, my, my only bet peeve was the three person thing. I was just like, why would you not be traveling with three people? Um, and that's going to be nitpicky. I was like, what can I nitpick about this? If that's the like, gripe, then you're that's doing my gripe. pretty damn good. That's my gripe. It was yeah. like, you're drinking a lot, which I guess I get, but I was just like traveling threes. Um, but like the pacing, the character, the, everything that's tangible about it, just what he said, like one of the things I love, you know, following somewhere in the sky. So listening to the stuff that you do from my perspective, like, and, and looking at like aliens, right. Is I love when it's just fucking out of the box. Right. Because when it's not like a gray or something that is really, that we can really connect with as humans, we're like, Oh, we recognize that. And we can like, 
it's humanoid. We can contextualize it, which is what you see a lot of aliens in pop culture, video games, movies. Like that's how they do it because it's relatable, I guess. I don't know. Maybe that's not the right term. This is where I'm over, out of my skis. It a fits bit. in our box of comprehension. Right. Thank you. Um, and so I love, what, especially what Carmen was saying, like where you have a monster, like a monster, like an alien that is a monster that is just so far beyond anything that we can even like understand. I think that the creature creation in this does that so well by just being almost nonsensical. Like there's fucking dog heads popping it's out. Ridiculous. And, like, yeah. Well, and it plays into the biological aspect too. Like it's trying to replicate cells and clearly, you know, it's having, <coughs> excuse me, guys, I apologize. I'm still getting over the, you know what, not the thing, the other thing, the other um, thing. The other thing. Uh, biologically, like it's trying to repl- replicate, impersonate, and it's having kind of a hard time doing that. So that's why you're getting like uh, the dog popping out and also like the head of one of the guys. And it's just like, it's, it's like AI. It's trying to self learn as it's replicating. It's brilliant. And, it's and that's It's brilliant. It's disgusting. It's beautiful. It's, uh, and with this film in general, like this is the thing that I really appreciate. And you know, I appreciate about this with, with almost everything I've watched from John Carpenter. Like as I move through his library, as I, you know, watch films. Um, Cause I will, I think we've talked about this with Andrew and he's been here. Like Halloween is still like a pinnacle for scary movies for me. Like it, it is, it is my like foundational horror movie. The one that I will always go back to like, that is, that is what did it for me. And what I love about, and he mentions like, his stories are complex, but yet they're so very simple, right? So that thing, like the thing can be anything because it's a thing. And so that allows him as a filmmaker and the people that are creating this film around him to just go fucking crazy. And like, it really un it unlocks this, like it gets them out of that box. And I think it is, it's beautifully executed. And then within that, everything else in the story is simple, right? Like it is people trapped in a remote location in a small area in a very where like it's it's person like we talk about themes and storytelling right it's person against environment it's person against a, a, a thing like uh, an exterior force and people against people and so yeah. it's such he he hits on all these themes of storytelling that we look at when we study theater right beautifully because you have people you have people fighting people and you have people doing things that make that conflict worse drinking or having internal conflict or people who are just in general, like, like McCurdy, McCurdy, McCurdy. Like he's not the person you want to put in charge. Like everything about him, when they set that story, like this is not the dude you want in charge. He's already at his wits end coming into this. Um, And so it just sets all these forces in motion before you're even dealing with like the, the monster. Right. And so I think that Carpenter, does that so beautifully and like he doesn't Halloween. He doesn't the thing. I mean, it's always like these very simplistic stories built upon tension, built upon people fighting against different things in their environment, but he never overcomplicates things. Um, And I think that works so well in this film. He doesn't, there are so many questions that just don't need to be answered. Yeah. And I think he just does it. It's great. He does it. And he does it at the end too, leaving it so yeah. ambiguous that um, you know, people left the theater pissed. Um, and others are like, oh, that was brilliant. Uh timing. Timing is something we brought up earlier in the conversation, the context of the time, the AIDS <laughs> epidemic, this, that, this, that. When the thing came out in theaters, 
it was the same week, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe like a week difference with E.T., Steven really? Spielberg's, um, you know, blockbuster film of a very lovable alien and his little buddy. And then you have this come out, this thing, this extremely um, dark, desolate, nihilistic, like I said earlier, film that takes a different approach to the whole alien thing. So you had these two competing things. <laughs> I keep using the word thing. Right. I apologize. Guys. Right. When did, uh, going on. When did First Encounters come out? When is First Encounters in this timeline? Oh, gosh. That is a very good question. I don't know it's, the answer that's to that. That's 70s, right? Like late 70s? I want to say late 70s, like 78, 79 maybe. So, Someone will definitely correct me in the chat. I would um, love to yeah. know. So that's interesting to me is you have things like First Encounters – First encounter, and then you have this movie, like this idea of aliens and like how we approach it differently too. Because yeah. even within ET, there's aspects of horror. I mean, I think about like I just watched it with my son like five months ago. Um, like when ET dies, right? Like, like ET is kind of yeah. scary. Like ET is that movie. There's some moments in it. when he throws the ball into the you know he throws oh, yeah. the ball and then the ball comes. It's like pinnacle horror right there. But yeah. then. Yeah, you you've got some moments, um, but and I wonder. Yeah, the it was more of a family these, friendly film. These I wonder what the connection of doing these like seventy seven. Thank you, Grant. Um, Thanks, I just wonder why thematically that was carrying over because that's I mean that's to me very telling. You have these three from from one two from the same director, right? Dealing with this idea of space and aliens and something coming to us, right? Um, I don't know. Sorry, I'm, yeah. I'm spinning. No, no, no. I think that's very interesting. Good point. I think it's a very well, interesting thing to think about thematically. It is. And again, I, I it is thematically. And I think Carpenter did that so brilliantly. But clearly audiences did not want that at the time. I have a clip of Carpenter talking oh. about how poorly the thing was received, which is insane that all three of us love this movie. It's considered like a it's masterpiece a by many. It is a perfect like, people. Yeah, the only other perfect horror film I can think of that did a genre perfectly. If you Insidious, Insidious is another horror movie that I think like nails its fucking genre of like haunted house type genre, like nails it. And this mm. nails like a, an alien, like a alien monster movie. Nails it. Yeah, like, sci-fi horror movie. Yeah, let's um, let me play this clip. This was uh, Carpenter talking about you know many years later how the film was received, and it it didn't bomb. Let's say that first of all, it uh. It made nineteen million in the box office against a fifteen million dollar budget. So it's like so Black it made Adam. A, exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah. Um, so it didn't. Bomb, Williams, it was so I can not, bring up DC movies. Yeah, critically and audience wise, it just was people hated the thing back then. That's crazy. Um, let's watch this clip. Yeah. Um, over the years, people have asked me about the thing because on, on its release, it was not particularly successful with audiences or fans but years later because of home video and, and so forth it it got to be known a little bit better but my reaction i was pretty stunned by it at the time because i made a, a really grueling dark film and i just don't think audiences in 1982 wanted to see that they wanted to, to see et and the thing was the opposite of that the thing that disturbed that the thing that disturbed me about it was that the fans turned out hating it so much. There was a famous magazine back then called Sydney Fantastic, which 
was loved and hated by various directors, and they had a cover story that said, is this the most hated film of all time? Which didn't do a lot to assuage my ego, but over, I'm very proud of the movie. I've always loved it. It's, it's one of my favorite of my own films. That is heartbreaking to hear. Yeah. I mean, he is so proud of it, and it was so hated when it came out. It just... It astounds me. It absolutely does. I mean, the reviews were terrible. Um, and until like we got out of the idea of like Spielberg and these, which you see in my background here, well, these are Grant, some serials I have. Um, Grant, Grant you don't have this lovey dovey feel. Well, Grant brought a good point too. This is coming off of Alien too, which is interesting, mm. right? But Didn't like, think about that. Yeah. I mean, Alien is also fucking great. I can't lie. I mean, I can't. I can't lie. Alien is also fucking fantastic, but it's, it's a different incredible. kind of horror film. It's a different, yeah. like it's a different beast. Right. Um, but maybe that's two of the two. I don't know. It's I, I still like, I, I, yeah. I can't fathom it. Like watching it now. I don't understand what you would like about this movie. Yeah. I just don't. Uh, I again, I, I think a lot of it came down to timing. I, I think yeah. it, it really was the time the movie released and, uh, what it was going up against. You hear that all the time when movies come out with like a Marvel blockbuster and they just tank and it's, it has a lot to do with your release date. Um, and then it has a lot to do with those, uh, you know, writing these reviews and whatnot. And he just got ripped apart. I mean, to the point where dude, like he says this film ruined his career. Um, he was never taken as seriously after this movie came out and people thought, you know, he, he, this was it. Like he had his one shot and, and he was done. So I wonder, sorry, now that I'm on, th- I'm thinking about this. Like, I wonder too, like the only thing I could point to, and this is something that like, I think we appreciate, right. I think people probably appreciate it. You know, is, that, is because the thing is so the, the actual monster in this movie is so non-corporeal. I mean, it's, it's corporeal, but like, it's so, um, Sorry, I'm trying to think about like the, it's not a set thing. It's I keep using the word thing. It's not a set being, right? It is this like really like it changes all the time. It's not this like like an alien. Like if you look at the other horror movie that Grant brought up, like you have Alien, right? Like Alien, like you understand what that monster is. You see that monster. That monster makes sense. You can you can understand what it is to fear it and fight it and like you can get into that mindset, right? Or you even look at like ET, which is not a horror movie, but like that alien makes sense. And this alien does not, which is what I think is fucking brilliant about it. But like, there's no, like it doesn't, it's so outside of our concept of what it is as what it is of something to fight um, or be in contention with um, that. I wonder if that comes into play is it's like, well, this is so fucking out there that it doesn't even like, it doesn't even make sense to us as a storytelling apparatus um, at the time. Because like it doesn't make sense that Alien would be so successful, but then this wouldn't, right? Because again, I will I will stand by. I mean, you can all hate me now. I I will take Sigourney Weaver's main character over Kurt Russell. I think she's a better written character. Uh, but aside from that, Kurt Russell is great. Um, but there's just like a less because I think he's doing something a little more complicated, like. Sigourney, Sigourney Weaver is like, she's a pinnacle hero, right? Like you put her into that. She's an underdog. It makes her a pinnacle hero. Even if she is still those themes, right? 
fighting against an alien, fighting against place, and fighting against people, right? She still has the same three themes, but she is so likable and so and so well written. I mean, she's one of the best that care Ripley's one of the best written female action characters when we look at this genre, in my opinion. Um, so she's so easy to root for. And like Kurt Russell's character just isn't I like him. He's charismatic, but it's not the same kind of like hero. He's not the same kind of hero. Then put up against a non like understandable villain, right? I think it just it's almost like too smart in some ways. Or is it maybe that's part of it? Like it's harder to like in I don't know, to engage with it in the same way. You're muted. I, I was just having a you were just having a conversation with yourself. No, I what I meant to say is I oh, agree yes. with you. I think it was it was it went over people's heads. It was ahead of its time. Uh you had like kind of the tail end of the Cold War happening still. And like that could have played into it too. Like this fear of like, you know, the red scare, blah, 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 blah. There's so many ways you could put this movie in the context of why it worked and why it didn't. And I think that's what any good film does. Yeah. And I think that's why like people in the chat said, we're still talking about the thing today. Yeah. I mean, like me are just getting introduced to it. And Um, then it holds up, right. That as a film, Oh God. It still holds up. I think that's this is better than ninety nine percent of the horror movies out there right now. I can yeah. tell you that much. Yeah, I um, mean, you, you rewatch. I remember again, my brother was like, "You've got to watch it." So I'm like, "Okay," you know, because um, he loves his eighty movie. Like my brother is like a true child of the eighties, and so yeah, um, and he's got good taste in my opinion. So you know, I watch it. And I'm like, "Oh yeah, this shit." Like sometimes I watch. Like he made me. He's like, "You got to watch Fright Night," and I was like, "Oh yeah, Fright Night. Fright Night's okay. Like it's okay." Like, right. you know, yeah. I, get, I get why you liked it. Like, I like it. But, like, this one, I was like, no, this shit holds up. This shit is, like Andrew said, like, it just, you rewatch it. You could, I watched it again, and it had a whole different, like, I was like, wait. You know, like, my, my mind started, like, spinning on who is the first person to be the alien. But there's right. all these things that Carpenter does, which we've talked about, that I think just aren't utilized in film. The scene, the scene fade-outs, right? That's another thing that just... Where I think we appreciate it, we're like, oh, that's great, especially as people who have theater backgrounds. But I could see someone watching that and being like, that's stupid. Why'd that's you do dumb. that? I, uh, exactly. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Um, well, you yeah. know who did love this movie? Two people. The first one we're going to briefly go through is Chris Carter of The X Files, so much so that he made an episode of The X Files titled Ice, which, dude, if you haven't watched it, go watch it. Have watch you? It, right. Were you an X Files fan? I don't know. If I've yes, but not like you. X Files scared the shit out of me, so I was like, I watched it like with bated breath. Okay, um, they did an episode called Ice. It was in the first season, I believe, and it was in homage to this film. I want to play a quick promo of when that episode originally released. I think it was back in 1993. Deep beneath the Arctic Circle, an ancient terror sleeps. Nothing can survive for a quarter of a million years. Waking it was their first mistake. Trying to stop it could be their last. The X-Files. Don't watch it alone. Put it down! Friday at 9, 8 central. Dude, how much do you miss that Friday at 9, 8 central? Oh, love it. Don't watch it alone. Um, one of the best episodes of the X Files, but clearly, like down to the dog, down to like the Antarctic sort of 
feel to it. Um, just a total homage to it. Um, I highly suggest people check it out. Can we mention just how, like, fucking, so sorry, not an X-Files nope. note. Just how fucking good Julian Anderson is. Like, that woman has come into so her own. Amazing. Like, I, I think when that show ended, people are like, so oh, she, and now you're like, no, she's fucking brilliant. Wow. She's Sorry. incredible. Dude. I also have a big um, crush on her, so I just I have a talent crush and an actual crush. Don't tell me who about. doesn't. My who wife doesn't. Does it's fine. Even, she was even like she was even pretty not bad looking as Margaret Thatcher too. So she's good in every. Well, that's thing when they did. She played Eleanor Roosevelt. I'm like, she's too pretty to be Eleanor Roosevelt. That woman. Yeah, nothing against Eleanor Roosevelt. Right. Brilliant woman, but like historically, was not a looker. Um, yeah, and. She just, she just is. I just, I don't tell you. She did it. She's just. We could get, do a whole episode on Julian Anderson. We should. Just um, cross Julian Anderson. Bring back the X Files. Ian says that voiceover too was great. I love it. Um, Nick, how much more time do you have, buddy? I got like, I got like, I got like five minutes. I got you. I got you. Got me five. Got me five. Okay. I got you for five. Perfect. Yeah, five. Um, one more clip from our very good friend who absolutely loved this movie. Um, we didn't have him tonight, but he did send us a message. Is it this Dennis? Is, his, is it Dennis? It's one of his favorite movies. Oh, so I'm going to go ahead daddy. and play the clip right now. Hoping he'd be Hi, there. everyone. My name is Dennis Callow. I'm a photographer and a filmmaker, and I'm also a YouTuber now, I guess, because I make documentaries about horror films and put it up on YouTube. Uh, and one of my favorite films that I just covered, there's part one and part two that's on my channel right now, is The Thing, which is what you guys are talking about right now. And the reason why I love this movie is not just because it is a complete and total masterclass and masterpiece in fil- of filmmaking, but it there's a really sad story that comes along with it. And the story of John Carpenter sort of uh, being called a hack after this movie was made. And I, it's, it's kind of incredible to think about that now, uh, in hindsight, but there was a lot to do with time and timing, which I talk about in, uh, my series that, um, that affected the film and that affected him as a filmmaker. Other than that, this film is just a masterclass in tension and dread and winter horror, which is my favorite type of horror. I love cold weather and I love cold weather horror because it just adds another layer cake of tension in that. And when you get a bunch of guys in a, in a research station in the Antarctic who have been going stir crazy with nothing but like computer chess and whiskey to keep them company, you're going to get a nice little recipe for disaster there. But uh it, it's really just a fantastic, fantastic film. I can't say enough about it, but I do say enough about it on my, on my YouTube channel with the, with the documentaries that I made uh, on the film. So I hope you enjoy this discussion and uh I'll give it back to Andrew, Nick and uh, Ryan Sprague, the King of the hour. Take care, fellow believers. I love him. Can I log so roll? much? I'm all about log rolling people that I like. So I log rolled Andrew as a brilliant filmmaker. I log rolled Eric, who's here as a brilliant filmmaker, who I've been lucky enough to work with. Ryan, I have made a movie. That dude, Dennis, you guys go check out his stuff. He is check out Ryan's podcast with him if you haven't seen that when we all chatted. He is a great man, a great filmmaker, and loves himself some horror in a beautiful way. Um, Absolutely, go check him out. Because he's great. Go check him out. There's a link right down there, guys, in the show notes for Dennis's two-part series on the thing. Go check it out oh, right his now. His Halloween part three, which I had not seen to that, is also brilliant. 
season of the witch. Yep. Yes. Brilliant. brilliant. Oh, he's an awesome guy guys. Um, be on the lookout in the future for projects, maybe having to do with Dennis and Nick and myself, um, more to come on that. My shirt might come off. You never know. My shirt came off in Eric's film too. You never know. I mean, really, God damn, it does come off in everything I do. It came off in my film too. I know. And your sister thought I was hot, which I will never let you forget. God, don't remind me. That's a great shape. (laughs) Um, uh, Nicholas Westmeyer. Can I we know do you got this when it's over. Can we actually do that? You shouldn't have Christmas. Yeah. It's his favorite video game. Absolutely. I got to go watch it. I'm probably going to watch that next. I'm just going to message you about doing a side <clears throat> thing. Cause okay. this should be monthly, right guys? Chat. Should it be monthly? It should be monthly. Should right? we do a monthly movie review guys? Yeah, Let us I'm know also here look, at his face. look at that face. Look at that look face. At that face. You know what would get us some super chats? Take that vest off, Mister Mister Westermeyer, if you will. My flannel for you. I got the same. Looking good, buddy. Looking looking wintry. I love it. I love no. it. Um, yeah. Hey, before we go, any mm-hmm. last words on the thing that you want to leave the audience with tonight? I, you know, I can't sound as smart as Andrew or you. Um, I think it's a great film. I think I really do. I agree with everything that Dennis said. Um, we, we use the master, we were use the word masterclass a lot. And I mean that like it is, it is a damn near perfect horror film in what it is like in the genre that it's doing and what it's trying to accomplish. It stands up really well. Um, it was enjoyable in multiple viewings, which I always think is another thing about horror films. If you can go back and rewatch a horror film when you know the plot points that are happening and it's still good that's when you know it's well done because horror that doesn't have rewatchability, not that it's not enjoyable in the moment, but I think doesn't have that same lasting impact. And this definitely is one that like you can keep going back and revisiting and like picking out stuff and making like uh, thoughts about and trying to figure out what's happening. And, and I think it just in that way, the fact that John Carpenter is not considered, I mean, I know he is, but that he, anyone would never think he's a hack blows my, blows my mind. There's like one John Carpenter movie I don't like. And I should go back and rewatch it just to make sure that's true. Well, and this film makes me want to go back and watch everything he's done. I haven't seen that many. I've seen the Halloweens and that's about it. I I've seen, uh, vampires, which is a whole, that's the one. That's one where I was like, I need to go back. It's like when I first watched, I was like, what the, I'm sure I would find some stuff to appreciate about it. I heard the fog is really good. So I got to check that out. Yeah, check that out. I haven't seen They Live, which I heard is another brilliant, brilliant yeah. film as well. Um, so I'll definitely have to go check those out. Um, but Nick, where can people check out everything you're up to, buddy? And um, yeah, give us any updates. So for me, so uh, you can find me primarily on Instagram, which is at and Westemeyer. I'm on Facebook and Twitter. I'm very not active on Twitter. Um, and Facebook I'm active on, but, you know, but Instagram is probably best. Um, also for my own log rolling, uh, you know, somewhere in the skies. If you want to check out the movie Ryan and I worked on, please do. It's on his YouTube page and also on what's that site? Vimeo. 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 That one. Um, it was something that we spent a lot of time, a lot of love on. Um, but also I love baking. So if you like baked goods, uh, and then Voyage Theater Company, which is a New York based theater company that I'm a part of, that's always producing new works. And Ryan and I have worked with them before. So go over, give them a like on Facebook. Um, we'd love to have you. But yeah, Instagram is where it's at. Absolutely. Yes. Voyage Theater Company was such a pleasure working with you guys. And Nick and I come from a theater background and the thing is a straight up play, in my opinion, which I appreciated so much about it. It's 12 Angry Men in the Antarctic. In in space with a giant alien monster. Yeah. What else can you ask for? Or your head. All right, guys. (laughs) 
I have to go be a <laughs> Nick, parent now. Thank you, buddy. Thank you for having me, Ryan. You're great. All the people who came, thank you so much. Uh, yeah. Keep looking up. Is that what it is? That it's you got it, buddy. Oh, Thanks. you can find me on your podcast when I was doing voices. Absolutely. You'll you'll hear Nick very soon in some upcoming episodes Ooh. as well. Ooh, thank you, my that. friend. Yeah. I always appreciate your time, value your opinions, and we'll Love talk it. soon. Thanks for having me. Bye, everyone. All right. Take care. And then there was one. My huge special thanks to Nick and Andrew, both fathers and have a lot going on. It's still a little early on the East Coast where they are. So they got kids. They got stuff to do. But they gave us their time tonight to talk about the thing. And um, I'm just going to say, this is now one of my favorite horror movies. I absolutely loved it from start to finish everything about it the writing um the direction the special effects practical effects i should say um it's just a brilliant brilliant film i i don't again i don't understand why it wasn't received at the time as well but it is now and sometimes that's what happens with movies they don't really gain traction or get their legs until decades later when you can take it out of the time that it was made in and when it was released and all that stuff and look at it with new fresh eyes and that's what we did tonight for you guys i hope you enjoyed this review of the thing this will be a film i go to every winter now to watch um so there's that um i do want to share a few things before i let you guys go here tonight um See if I can pull this up. This was a poster that Grant Lavac in the chat made. Grant, I cannot thank you enough, buddy, for being here tonight. I know it's really late or early, early in Australia right now. So thank you for being here, man. And thanks for making this fun little poster with me taking over as the helicopter pilot. <laughs> I absolutely love it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and to let you guys know about what's coming up on somewhere in the skies uh we have a new episode airing this monday it's going to be a brand new episode of witness accounts where you the listeners call in and tell us your ufo stories and we have we got some good stories coming your way in that episode guys coming to you monday uh we have a other ufo podcast host that a lot of you are familiar with telling their ufo story on the show for the very first time uh we also have a navy serviceman who had five different triangular ufo sightings over a naval base in california uh so be on the lookout for that episode coming to you this monday uh it is available right now for our apple premium subscribers and our patreons our Patreon subscribers. So if you want to hear that episode early, you can do that right now at patreon.com slash somewhere skies, or you can become an Apple premium subscriber. Um, you just go to your Apple feed and it should be right at the top. You just click subscribe and it should take you there to get the early edition of this episode and bonus episodes. I'm dropping a ton of new bonus episodes over on Apple subscriber premium and also at Patreon. So check those out. <clears throat> Excuse me. Again, guys, still getting over COVID. So um, uh, it's been rough. I'm not going to lie, but I had to do this tonight. And um, let's see, what else do we have? Operation Saucer and the UFO Island will be our episode the following week where we travel to Brazil to look at a ton of UFO cases in Brazil. And on the Patreon and Apple Premium subscriber feed, we'll have a bonus episode called The Mystery of the Lead Masked Ufologists. 
a crazy, crazy mystery that happened in Brazil that involved UFOs and two gentlemen uh, who were unfortunately found dead. And uh, who went to investigate this case? None other than Jacques Vallée. So that episode should be premiering on the bonus feeds on Patreon and Apple very soon. So be on the lookout for that. And um, I think that's it, guys. I think that's all I have for you. Thank you so much for joining us tonight on this very special edition movie review of The Thing here at Somewhere in the Skies. Thank you for joining us. Thank you to our super chats. I really appreciate the support, guys. All of the money that you donate to the show goes right back into making it bigger and better and everything in between. So that is always appreciated. Again, if you want to support the show, you can do that in the Super Chat. You can become a YouTube member below, or you can join our Patreon and our Apple subscribers. My special thanks to Nick and to Andrew, and I'm going to leave you with a little funny clip that I put together here for you guys. And uh, other than that, I'm just going to say, as always, keep your feet on the ground, but never stop searching somewhere in the skies for the thing. Being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.